Amen. If you have a Bible, would you open to Psalm 4? Psalm 4. My name is Jody Sledge. I'm one of the pastors here. We are this summer working through a series through the first 13 Psalms called Our Strength and Our Song. If you were not here last Sunday or you missed Pastor Lance's message from Psalm 3, I would very highly encourage you to go to our website and listen to that message it was a fantastic message from Psalm 3. And in many ways, Psalm 4 covers very similar material. Some people have called Psalm 3 the morning song and Psalm 4 the evening hymn because they go together so well. And so today we're going to look at Psalm 4 in a message titled, The Light of Your Face. So let's read the word of God together. Psalm 4, starting in verse 1. To the choir master with strings instrument, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words? And seek after lies. Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts and on your beds and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. God, would you speak through us, through me as a, as a preach, would you speak to us, God? Would you show us a vision of Jesus? Would you fill us with your spirit so that we might hope deeply in him? And God, whatever trouble each of us are facing, may we run to the Lord and may you lift the light of your face upon us, O oh God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what do we need in times of trouble? What is it exactly that we need when we face times of trouble? I mean, the reality is we all go through trials. We all face adversity. We all suffer, don't we? And so what do we need when we go through those difficult things in life? I mean, just a few weeks ago, our family needed to get some work done on our van and so after school, Jeannie and I are coordinating how we're going to get the van there and get all of us home. And guess what? The check engine light comes on my car, and my car dies, just completely dead. So now we've got to pay a bunch of money to get my car fixed before we can pay a bunch of money to get the van fixed. And on top of that, that very same afternoon, one of our boys had a very expensive trip to the orthodontist. I mean, it just was one thing after another. I'm sure you've been in a situation like that, haven't you? 
Times where you feel like nothing good can happen. Or times when you feel like the bad news just won't stop. A time where you feel overwhelmed or stressed or weary. What do we do in those times? What is it that we need in those times? You know, I think it can be easy for us to think that what we need is actually the wrong thing that what we need. We can think, man, if our circumstances were just better, then that would just fix everything in my life. We can think, man, if life was just a little bit easier, then I would have some joy in life. Or we can think if God would actually show us some good, then we could have peace in life. And you know, that's really the issue here, isn't it? The question of, is God really good? And does he really want to show good to his people? You know, we've come to God's word in Psalm 4 today. And God wants us to see that, yes, he is good. And yes, he does want to show his people good. But we need to make sure we're looking for the right good. We need to make sure that we are seeking after what is truly good. So my prayer for us today as we look at Psalm 4 is David's prayer in verse 6. Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Lord, show us that you are good and that you do good to your people. When we face times of trouble, it's the Lord that we need. It's his goodness in our lives that we need. It's the light of his face. That's what we really need. And so we're going to see how that works today in Psalm 4. Let's look to God's word together. Notice first that we need to call upon the Lord. We need to call upon the Lord. So Psalm 4 begins by telling us that this psalm was written by David for the choir master of Israel with stringed instruments. David intended this song to be sung by all of Israel, all of God's people. And as God's people would sing this song again and again, the truths here would be planted deep into their hearts. And so God has preserved this psalm here in his word for us today so that the truth could be planted deep in our hearts as well. And so notice in verse 1 that this psalm begins in a time of desperation. David says this, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. David begins the psalm with a cry for help. Now we don't know exactly what trouble David is facing. It could be the same situation that we saw in Psalm 3 last week. David's son was trying to kill him and take the throne from him. Maybe it was some other time of David, or trouble in David's life. Either way, David knew he was in a desperate situation, and what he needed in that moment was to call upon the Lord. He calls him, O God of my righteousness. David knows that God will do what is right towards him. And that's why in verse 1, he calls upon the Lord to be gracious to him. Look in verse 1, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. David knows that he deserves nothing from God, so he leans upon the grace of God. Be gracious to me 
and hear my prayer, he says. But how is David confident that God will hear his prayer? How is he confident that God will answer him and bring him help? Well, notice right there in the middle of verse 1. David's confidence for future grace is in what God has already done for him. David says this, You have given me relief when I was in distress. That word distress literally means a tight place. David was in a tight place. He was closed in. He was trapped. He was in an impossible situation. But notice that God opened a way. That word relief literally means that God opened wide the tight place. David was trapped, but God opened the way. He was in an impossible situation, but God delivered him. And so do you see how David finds confidence there in that? He's crying out to the Lord in desperation, confident that God will answer his prayer. And why? Well, because God has done it before. God has delivered David before. He did it then. He'll do it now. Our confidence in the future grace of God is rooted in the grace that God has already given. Do you see that there in Psalm 1? Past grace gives us confidence for future grace. And listen, just in case we're worried that maybe God's got a limit on grace, maybe he's going to run out of grace one day. Friends, God has already shown us the greatest display of grace he could ever give to us. You see, we can say with David that the Lord opened wide the tight places for us. We were trapped in our sin and our rebellion. We were closed in by death. We were in an impossible situation. But what is impossible for man is possible with God. And so Jesus came and died to free us from our sins. He rose again to conquer death. And he did this as a free act of love and grace. God has already shown us the greatest display of grace he could ever give us in the work of Jesus, his son. From his fullness, we read this earlier, we have received grace upon grace. In him, we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Brothers and sisters, our Future grace has been purchased by Jesus, and that future grace gives us confidence to call upon the Lord. What do we need in times of trouble? We need to call upon the Lord. You see, Psalm 4 is teaching us to run to the Lord when life is hard and call upon his help. What's your initial reaction when something goes bad in your life? Do you start to gripe and complain? Are you overcome with anxiety? Do you start to sink deep into doubt or depression? 
Are you filled with pity? Why is this happening to me? What if our natural reaction was to run immediately to the Lord and to call upon him to help us? When you get that phone call that something terrible has happened, run to the Lord immediately and call upon his grace. When you're having just the worst day of days and things just keep getting worse and worse, run to the Lord immediately and call upon his grace. When you feel like your world is caving in and crashing down upon you, run to the Lord immediately and call upon his grace. I mean, have you ever considered that God uses suffering in our lives to show us just how much we need him and how much we need his grace and how much he is willing to give grace to us in times of need? Church, Jesus has purchased our future grace by his own death and resurrection. And he is at this moment right now seated in heaven on a throne of grace, calling us to come to him. Jesus is not sitting on the throne of hope you did enough. Not on a throne of you better get your act together. He's not on a throne of, I don't have time for your problems. Jesus sits on the throne of grace. And he wants us to draw near. He wants us to call upon him in our times of trouble. So look to the grace that Jesus has lavished upon us and run to him in times of trouble. What do we need In times of trouble, we need to call upon the Lord. So brothers and sisters, let's run to Jesus in those times of trouble and let's confidently call upon his grace. We need to call upon the Lord. Notice secondly in the psalm, we need to know that we are his. We need to know that we are his. So David turns now to address his enemies in verse 2. Look at what he says. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Now, again, we don't know exactly what David is going through, but we know David had enemies, and these enemies often wanted to destroy him. They want to turn his honor into shame. You see, David holds the honor of being the chosen king God's anointed son. And so these kings or these enemies are seeking to destroy him and bring him shame. They no longer want him to rule over them. Their hearts are filled with empty words and lies. They are like the the rulers of the earth in Psalm 2 who were scheming and plotting against God's chosen king. But notice how David responds when these enemies are there. In verse 3, David calls God's people to know something. He looks to his enemies, and here's what I want us to know. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Remember, this is a song for all of Israel to sing. And David is calling the people of God to know something as they sing. 
Know this, the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. That word godly refers to someone who God has set his steadfast love upon. He has given his covenant love to this person. All of his faithfulness, all of his mercy, all of his grace he's put upon this person. And the godly one has been set apart from the rest and set apart from or for the Lord. If you've got a Bible and a pen, underline that phrase for himself. Highlight it if you're on your phone. For himself, the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. That means the godly belong to God. God has a special attention and affection for them. David's response to his enemies is not to fight, not to plot against them, not to give up and give in to despair. In the face of of his enemies, David finds comfort in the fact that he belongs to God. And this is why David calls the people of God to turn to the Lord even in the face of trouble. In verse 4, David says, be angry and don't sin. That word angry literally means to shake or to tremble. It's the idea of someone who is just so upset that they're literally shaking. But David says, if that's you, don't sin. Don't let those emotions control you. Instead, surrender your hearts to the Lord. He goes on to say, ponder in your own heart, on your beds, and be silent. When you're lying awake at night, be still and calm yourself. Think about the fact that you belong to the Lord. In verse Five, David says, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. He's saying, don't let these troubles steal your worship from God. Don't let it take away your faith in the Lord. In the face of enemies or in the face of suffering, we can worship God in faith, trusting in his love. And how can we do that? We can do it because we belong to him. Know this, the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. What do we need in times of trouble? We need to know that we are his. We need to know that we belong to the Lord. And how can we have confidence that we belong to the Lord? Because he bought us with his own blood. On the cross, Jesus paid for us. And not just to forgive us, not just to give us a place in heaven, but so that we might belong to him as well. Paul begins his letter to the Romans by telling that church that they have been called to belong to Christ Jesus. Not just to be saved by him, but to belong to him, to be called his. What's the most important thing about you? What's the most important thing about me? What would you say to that? It's not who we are. It's whose we are. We can be confident in the face of trouble, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. Have you ever felt like you're not enough? 
Whatever struggle you're going through in life, have you felt like you're just not strong enough? Not good enough? Not wise enough? Well, good if you've ever felt that way. Because you're not enough. You're not. I'm not. And our confidence is not there. Our confidence is in the fact that we are His. If you're in Christ, you belong to Him. Confidence is not in what we can do, but in what He has already done. How He has made us His own. David is confident that God will hear his prayer because he's confident that God has made him his own. Listen to this verse in Isaiah 43.1. God tells his people, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. The prophet doesn't say, Hey, y'all, fear not. You got this. You can, you can get through this. He doesn't say, fear not, things are going to get better. they got to get better, right? I mean, it's only one way up from here, right? He doesn't say, listen, fear not, nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. God loves you. Nothing bad will ever happen. He doesn't say that at all. What does he say? Fear not, you belong to the Lord. He bought you. He redeemed you. You are His. What do we need in the face of trouble? We need to know that we belong to the Lord. Know this. The Lord has set apart the godly for himself. If you're struggling today, if you're fearful today, if you're weary today, if you're overwhelmed today, if you're anxious today, if you're just numb to everything in your life today, friends, let this be a balm to our souls. We belong to Jesus. We're His. We're His. He's bought us, and nothing will ever change that. What do we need in times of trouble? We need to know that we are His. So brothers and sisters, let's run to Jesus in times of trouble and find comfort knowing that we belong, we belong to him. Now before we move on to the rest of the psalm, I wonder if everyone here today belongs to Jesus. Do you belong to Jesus? Ask yourself that question. Do I belong to Jesus? Has he purchased you with his blood? Has he set you apart for himself? Really, there's only two types of people in the world. Those who belong to Jesus and those who don't. And you see, the gospel is not about just being a good person. It's not about doing religious things. The gospel is about what Jesus has done to save sinners and to make us his. You see, by his perfect life, by his death on the cross, by his Rising on the third day, Jesus offers salvation to anyone who would repent of their sins and believe in him. And every single one who repents and believes in Jesus will be saved. They will be his. So if that's you, if you've never repented and believed in Jesus, would you do that today for the very first time? Why not turn from your sin today 
Why not trust in Jesus today? Why not come and treasure Christ today? God is calling you to come to believe and to belong to Jesus. So if you've never done that, will you do that today? Will you come to Jesus for the first time and and be saved and belong to him? I would encourage you to do that today so that you might join the people of Jesus as we find comfort in the fact that we are his. Lastly, number three, we need the light of his face. We need the light of his face. So David in verse six points us to what many people around him are saying. Look at what he says. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Who will show us some good? They're looking around at all the trouble around them and they're wondering if things are ever going to get better. They're wondering if someone who will, is there someone who will turn their trouble into blessing? Really, they're wondering if there is a good God in heaven who can actually show the people some good. And don't we feel this way at times too? Don't we have that same struggle? Have you ever said something like, how could God let this happen? Or why on earth would God want me to go through this? Doesn't God want to bless us? Does God even want to do us any good? It's the question of verse 6. Who? Who will show us some good? But notice as the people are questioning the goodness of God, David turns to the Lord and gives us really the only prayer in the whole psalm. It's a simple prayer in verse 6, and it's so good. This is why the psalms are so helpful for us as God's people. I mean, have you ever felt like you were in such a terrible place that you didn't even know what to pray? You felt like the darkness was so strong that you didn't even have words. God's giving us words here in verse 6. Look at what David's prayer is. Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Notice that David knows exactly who will show us some good. He doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't have to weigh the options. No, he goes right to the Lord, to Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God of Israel. David knows if there's any good in this world and in his life, it will come from the Lord. David knows it's the God in heaven who will show us some good. Notice what it exactly is that David is praying for. He's not praying for better circumstances. Can you just make this easier, God? He's not praying for material blessings. Can you just give me more stuff? He doesn't pray for ease or comfort. Can you make this easier for me, God? He doesn't pray for things to get easier. No, what he prays is for the greatest good that he could experience. To see the face of God. Lift up the light of your face upon us, 
oh God. You see, there's many good gifts in this world, but the greatest gift is that we might see God, that the light of his face might shine upon us. Now, what exactly does that mean? It's kind of one of those churchy phrases, isn't it? What does that even mean, that God would lift the light of his face upon us? Well, this is language from Aaron's blessing in number six. Really, the whole psalm is filled with the language from this priestly blessing. Maybe you know it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. To be truly blessed is to have the face of the Lord shining down upon you. Okay, but what does that mean? What, what, does, that, what does that look like? I mean, isn't, doesn't the Bible say that God is a spirit and he doesn't literally have a face? How can the light of his face shine upon us? Well, in one sense, this is a metaphor. It's a symbol for being in the presence of God, fully experiencing his love and his, lo- and his favor. But in another very real sense, we can see the face of God. Philip, the disciple sitting with Jesus, says, Jesus, show us the Father. Show us the Father. And Jesus says to him, have I been with you for so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, where? In the face of Jesus Christ. When David prays for the Lord to lift up the light of his face, He's praying for God to shine forth the goodness and grace through his son, Jesus. Who will show us some good? Jesus will. Jesus will show us some good. In the face of Jesus, we have seen the love and the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God. And we experience the blessings in the presence of God through Jesus, the greatest good that we could ever need. My grandfather, when we were gathered, used to pray before meals or at holidays. And he would always say, thank you for shining upon us today. Thank you for shining upon us today. I used to think he was talking about all of the good gifts before us. Maybe all of the good food on the table or all the family that was gathered there in his home. Maybe all the great presents that were under his Christmas tree. I think I know what he meant now. He wasn't just thankful for those gifts. He was thankful for the gift. The gift of knowing and enjoying the presence of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
What do we need in times of trouble? We need the light of His face to shine upon us. Friends, there are a million things that we could pray for, but there is no better prayer than this. Lift up the light of your face upon us. Let the face of Jesus shine upon us, Lord. And friends, this is a prayer that God will most definitely answer. He wants to shine His grace upon us. He wants us to to experience the blessings of His love. He wants us to see His glory in the face of Jesus. So when we face the darkness of suffering or the darkness of doubt, the darkness of depression or addiction or grief or anxiety, whatever it is, pray to the Lord to shine the light of His face upon you. Pray that we would see the face of Jesus and that we would trust that there is our greatest good. Notice what happens when the face of God shines upon us. There in verse 7, he says, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. David is talking about the celebration that comes with an abundant harvest. Maybe the rains were good that year, and the fields were just full of grain. The vines were just overflowing with grapes. This would have been a great time of celebration. And David says that that joy has nothing compared to the joy that God can give to his people. This world is full of good gifts, But God gives them so that our joy might be in Him. No gift in this world can compare to the gift of God Himself. And David finds great joy there. And it's a gift from God. Notice what David says. You have put more joy in my heart. What happens when David prays for the light of God's face to shine upon us in Jesus? He fills us with joy. Maybe you're struggling to find joy in life. And maybe it's because you're not looking to the face of Jesus. You're not praying for the Lord to shine down upon you. If you're struggling to find joy, why not pray that? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Pray for the light of Christ to shine and to fill you with joy. Notice also that peace comes to those whom the Lord shines his face. In verse 8, David says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. In the face of trouble, David is able to lay down and sleep. Because he knows the peace of God. He knows the peace that surpasses understanding. He knows he will dwell secure in the Lord. Do you know that feeling of lying down but not being able to fall asleep? To toss and turn in your bed because your soul is tossing and turning without peace? Do you know what it is to be restless without peace? So restless that you can't fall asleep. 
We say things like, man, if things would just get better, I could have some peace. Man, if things started to go my way, then I could be at rest. Man, if life would stop being so hard, then I could sleep. Friends, peace is a gift from God. And even as we saw last week in Psalm 3, sleep is an act of faith. It's a way to trust God that He will still be God even when we're asleep. You see, when we know the peace of Jesus, we can rest. We can be still. We can sleep. True peace won't be found in having better things. It won't be found in avoiding hard situations. True peace is found in Jesus. And listen, when the light of His face shines upon us, that's when we can experience His perfect peace. What do we need in times of trouble? We need the face of Jesus to shine upon us. We need the gift of joy in our hearts. We need the gift of peace for our restless souls. We need the light of His grace and His love. We need the glory of His presence and His favor shining down upon us. That's what we need. So brothers and sisters, let's run to Jesus in times of trouble and pray. Oh, let's pray that the light of His face would shine upon us. We need the light of His face. Lilius Trotter was a missionary to North Africa. She came from a very wealthy family in England, and she was an amazing painter. Some people think that she was the greatest living painter in her time. But she gave it all up to answer the call to be a missionary. She gave up all of her family wealth. She gave up her future as maybe one of the best painters the world has ever known. And in 1888, she moved to North Africa. The work of reaching the people there was almost impossible. She suffered with health issues almost the whole time that she lived there. She faced opposition from the local government almost every day. And eventually, at 75 years old, she died there in northern Africa. Yet her heart was set on Jesus through it all. And in one of her journals, she wrote these words. She said, Turn full your soul's vision to Jesus. And love and look at him. And a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from him. For he is worthy to have all there is to be had in the heart that he has died to win. The words of that journal were eventually turned into a hymn. Maybe you know it. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. 
and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Brothers and sisters, what do we need in times of trouble? We need to look full into the wonderful face of Jesus. We need to call upon his help, trusting fully in his grace. We need to know that we are his, trusting fully in his love. And we need to pray, oh, we need to pray that the light of his face would shine down upon us. Lord, let the light of your face shine upon us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, you have shown us that we can go to you and trust in your grace. You have reminded us that you, we are yours. And Lord, you have helped us to see the need for your face to shine upon us. And so God, you've spoken. Would you plant the words of this psalm deeply into our hearts? God, so that we might trust you, we might long for you, and we might look fully in the face of Jesus, even in times of difficulty, in times of trouble. God, would you draw those to, you, to Christ today who have never believed? Would today be the day of salvation for them, Lord? And God, would you help us to turn our eyes upon Jesus? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.